When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Everybody, we're back with another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll and SB Nation Lakers community. I am Christian Rivas, uh, and I am one of your hosts, and Jacob Root is the other, if if this is your first time listening. Jacob, how are you doing today, pal? I'm doing good. Did you see the uh, the Lakers Twitter account gave a shout out to the podcast when they announced their, uh, their Shaq jerseys? I did, I did. They used uh, our sound bit that belongs to yeah. us. You you copyrighted that when it. we did this, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, I was just making sure. Run us our money. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Lakers did announce New Jersey's today. And I was thinking about it like right before we went on air. They posted the video, which got me very excited. It reminded me how good Shaq was as a basketball player. Uh, but the the other thing that occurred to me later, and I think it was only just a, a few minutes ago, they they posted the actual picture of the jersey. Uh, Jacob, I don't know if you're familiar with the music festival Camp Flogna in in California. Well, anyway, it's the music festival Tyler the Creator puts on every year, uh, and every year fans are like, I, I guess bamboozled into thinking it's gonna Frank Ocean's gonna be. The musical guest every year, whatever. The big controversy coming out of it this year was that Drake was a musical guest instead of Frank Ocean. And Drake, by all accounts, regardless of how you feel about him, has catchy songs and is a big star. But the fact that it wasn't Frank Ocean, they booed him off stage, which is probably the first time that's happened to him in quite some time. My point is, I'm making this comparison because... I think a lot of Lakers fans were really, really hoping the Lakers were going to unveil those blue throwback jerseys, the L.A. jerseys everybody's been waiting on. Uh, And when it wasn't that, it didn't matter what they showed. It could have been like a purple Showtime jersey. I I think people were going to be a little little upset either way. But, I mean, aside from that, aside from it not being what most Lakers fans wanted it to be, I think it's – a fine jersey. It's certainly better than whatever purple pinstripe jersey they had last season. I think the person we need to blame in all this is Grant. Yeah, Grant, Grant Goldberg is really bad at tempering expectations. He had his photoshops are too good, and then it's <laughs> like the blue. I, he did like the blue jerseys, and then the Crenshaw jerseys were right. amazing. So amazing, LeBron somehow bought a leg made one. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Um, yeah, this is all his fault. The I I mean the jerseys are fine. I think my main issue with them is they're really not all that different from the regular yellow jerseys they wear. Right. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, I do kind of like the idea of honoring um, a different kind of legend. They did the Magic ones. Those jerseys just objectively were awful. (laughs) But, I mean, the idea behind it was cool, and the idea behind this is cool. And, I I mean, I don't mind these jerseys. Um, They they tweeted out, like you said, just before we started recording, some of the the details in it that has the Dr. Bus patch. Yeah, that was really nice. 
Yeah, that was awesome. Shaq said that playing for him was one of the highlights of his life, and uh, he said when he created the uniform, he wanted people to see that. Um, has his retired like jersey on a star um, down the side. That's all cool. I mean, again, I like the idea. It's just uh, it's Grant's fault. Uh, he, <laughs> he set the bar too high. Hashtag blame Grant. I'm here for it. Uh, it it's funny because I've known it wasn't going to be the blue jerseys for a while. I am no scoop reporter by any stretch of the imagination. I don't have sources. You can't count on me. Um, it, it's just... I, You're not the only one that you can't that people can't count on, but go on. I, I, I happened to stumble upon... Uh, a source that told me that they weren't going to be the the blue throwback jerseys. And the, the other thing he told me, and again, I'm only semi-reporting this uh, because if it was, if I wasn't for sure that this source was reliable, I, I wouldn't be saying anything at all because I'm not willing to put my reputation on the line. Whatever. Point being, um, that same source told me that the jerseys for like the city jerseys these lakers lore series jerseys were designed three years out from 2017 so i don't know if that means yeah i don't know if that means the kobe magic and shack ones were designed i forgot they did the mamba ones right pre-17 that kind of makes sense then but i've also heard that Next year's has already been designed, and it's it's the Kareem ones that have been rumored for for some time. Um, so the the only definitive reporting I had was that it wasn't the blue jerseys, uh, and then at l- at least three of the designs were done pre seven pre twenty seventeen. So I don't know if this is the third jersey design or if in twenty twenty uh, that's going to be the last one that isn't under the control of the new creative team with the Lakers. So I'm going to have to tell Grant now to Photoshop exactly <laughs> zero Lakers jerseys to keep everybody's hopes down, mine included. Yeah, the the funny thing about that is that if you looked on the first two or three replies under the Lakers video was the Crenshaw jersey that Grant Photoshop saying it should have been this. And I thought that was hilarious because uh, Grant kind of looks like Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle, and that man <laughs> made a Crenshaw jersey that everybody just loves. It's universally it is incredible, loved. It's an incredible comparison. It, it is very apt, but yeah, he would have been the last person I would have predicted to make a Crenshaw jersey that everybody loves. Well, it, one that LeBron loves so much, yeah. he, again, just up and made the jersey himself. Yeah, imagine, a, imagine LeBron meeting Grant. Saying like, oh, so you made this. Um, Le- Grant would come up to like LeBron's belly button, basically. <laughs> Grant's a lot tall. I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to spend the whole show talking about my large adult son and my dear friend Grant, but Grant is much taller than I think people give him credit for. Like, he's not super tall. He's definitely shorter than me, but he's not like he's not super short. Anyway, I love you, my friend. Grant, you are, you are the best. Um, another thing we should probably talk about is LeBron James notching a triple double against not just every active team in the NBA, 
but every NBA franchise sans the San Diego Braves and the Vancouver Grizzlies. Like, I guess he also got a triple-double against the Seattle Supersonics, which is nuts. But uh, I guess Bron's going to Bron, right? Turns out this LeBron character, pretty good at basketball. He's still so good. Like, Frank Vogel had some comments after the game that he thinks LeBron's playing the best basketball he's played in quite some time after their uh, win over OKC on Tuesday. Because he said, before, when I was in Indiana, the goal was to make LeBron shoot, uh, make him go over screens, whatever. Teams are still doing that, but LeBron James is knocking down three-pointers because he has no flaws to his game. Used to be defense, but he was telling a ref during the game, like, hey... I know, like, you've been reading and been watching things that I don't play defense, but this year's different. I'm a different <laughs> player now. That video was so funny. Um, but it's true. LeBron James looks as good as he's ever looked this season. There's, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Almost, like, an ease to what he's doing this year. Mm-hmm. Where, like, when he was in Cleveland and at times last year, like he was playing at an incredibly high level, but you could kind of tell that it he, it was kind of taking a toll, and he had to expend a lot of energy um, to play at that level, and that's why he would take those kind of he took a like a two week hiatus his first year back in Cleveland, and then like he basically took off the month of was it January his last year in Cleveland and yeah. stuff like that, where there are these huge stretches where he basically just knew he couldn't do it for the whole season and just kind of coasted. Um, so far through, what is it, 14 games now, He ha- it doesn't seem like he's had to expend that level of energy. It just feels like everything's a lot kind of smoother and he's playing the fewest minutes per game in his career, I believe. Um, he... I mean, it's all a byproduct of having someone like Anthony Davis on your team. But just the way he's playing, I mean, 11.1 assists is just a staggering number. It's two more assists per game than he's ever averaged. But I think that kind of shows, like, everything's just coming so easy to him right now that um, that I, I do think this is some of the best basketball he's played. That Atlanta game was one of the most fun games I can remember the Lakers having um, probably since this whole rebuild started. Yeah, I, and I do wonder if it has anything to do with the, the talent level he's playing with. Like, I don't know if this Lakers team is better than the team he won a championship with in Cleveland. Um, I think that's a discussion for another time. I think it's certainly better. I think I can comfortably say it was better than the last team he made the finals with in Cleveland. Uh, But it's funny. I look at the box score at the end of every night because even watching the game, like we were were talking before we went on air that you cover high school sports and I'm I'm not going to take the time to write down who has how many points. (laughs) Like, so at the end of the game, I'll look at the box score and I'll see, like, LeBron James, for example, I think he finished the night with, like, 25, 26 points. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And then I look at Anthony Davis, and he had, like, 35. And it's like, how nice must it be for LeBron James to say, like, I'm not the leading scorer on my team every night. If I'm not feeling it, which he absolutely was against OKC, uh, 80 at 34, LeBron at 25. Point is, 
to be able to say like dang well i i didn't put up 30 points tonight but you did and that was enough for us to get the win and um so yeah shout out shout out to anthony davis shout out to lebron it's crazy what the lakers are doing they're really good like i i did not expect them to be this good as, as a skeptic by nature i wonder how much longer this is gonna last but i mean it seems sustainable especially with with the defense they're playing i think again we talked about this last week but on paper it always made sense in actuality it didn't seem like it was going to come together as quickly as it has um and i think part of part of my expectations going into the season was just getting used to covering a young team and forgetting what it's like to have veterans that know what they're doing and aren't going to take two months in the season to figure each other out Uh, especially when you guys you have guys with such high basketball iqs like dwight howard and lebron ad danny green rajon rondo even even though his his play doesn't always represent it i mean those are smart dudes and i think it's shown uh in the way they played to start the season i know i think we talked about it on this podcast but uh i know we talked about it before the season but now that we're um handful away into the year is Anthony Davis the best player LeBron has played with in his career? Oh, man. That is tough. Um, I think he's definitely top three. Because you got D-Wade, Chris Bosh, but, oh, man. I would say yeah. Wade, the first year in Miami, would be the only competition. Right. I was I was just going to say, I don't know if the Chris Bosh, Anthony Davis... Um, I mean, even taking into account, like, if Chris Bosh was the number two option to LeBron James, maybe that would be a different conversation. But even just taking into account their games and their skill set, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I'd I'd probably take Anthony Davis over Chris Bosh. I don't think it's a hot take. I really like Bosh, though. Yeah. uh, But, yeah, Dwayne Wade, my opinion, is probably a top three shooting guard all time. Um, That's certainly more of a hot take. Yeah. Well, I mean, who, who else? Uh, I guess Jerry West is a shooting guard. Yeah. Mm, that's true. I'm trying to think who else. It's, so it's MJ. And then <laughs> I personally, I think it's Kobe. But that oh, may yeah. just be me being from Los Angeles or like from the greater Los Angeles area. Um, then you got Jerry West, Dwayne Wade, and... With yeah, I was trying to think of who would be fifth, like James Ray Harden. Allen, maybe. Uh, ooh. Yeah, that's that is the spiciest take I have. As as gross as watching his game makes me feel, the things he's doing rival any like scoring champion at any position, like an all time great scorer. I think James Harden's probably a top five shooting guard to me. Mm, I don't know that I can go there yet, but yeah, it's, it's I can definitely see the early argument. in his career. He doesn't have. I can see the argument yet. for it. Yeah, I would. I mean, after that, man, I guess, I guess Wade might be third all time because Jerry West is really the only argument, and then after that, it's a pretty steep drop off. Right. Uh, um, that first year, LeBron and Wade were in Miami. Wade averaged twenty five point five points, six point four rebounds, four point six assists. 
Didn't shoot it particularly well, at least from three. He was 50% from the field, but 30% from three. But if we're talking, like, sheer talent, Wade probably gets the edge. But I think what makes AD different is the way he and LeBron complement each other. Like, last night, it was just pick and roll after pick and roll. Um Finally, it's it's something I've been like begging them to do that. I but uh, yeah, I think that's what's kind of different about this is even if AD isn't the best player, he's he's second best. But the way him and LeBron can work off each other just takes such a load off each of them. Like AD's the same way as as I was talking about, kind of how much energy LeBron had to expend to to play so well. AD's the same way, like. Uh, that Hawks game, Anthony Davis didn't really even play that good. Right, right. And they were absolutely just destroying that team for the vast majority of the game. So it's – I know a lot of people have talked about load management, and I do still think that this team needs to implement that down the road at some point. But Pete's kind of made this comparison uh, before where, like, when you're pitching uh, in a baseball game, like if you're throwing a hundred pitches in a twelve to one game, like that's not really, uh, it doesn't feel like a hundred pitches. Versus if you're throwing eighty pitches in a three two playoff game, like that feels like a lot more than than eighty pitches. That's kind of how I think this this season has been a lot of the time. Is yeah, LeBron and AD are playing thirty five minutes a night, but it's not the same kind of 35 minutes a night that they've played in other years where they're having to expend so much energy and carry so much of the burden of everything that they're exhausted by the end. I Again, I, do, I still do think that uh, eventually the, those two are going to need some rest, um, although it sounds like AD's shoulder is getting better, and he was shooting like it got better yeah, last night. I was going to say, it certainly looked like it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I think those two just having each other – you can just see how much of a positive effect it has on on their game and their ability to, I don't want to say rest during games, but kind of not expend as much energy as they've had to in previous years when they're carrying entire teams and offenses. Yeah, and I, I think the, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis with this specific roster, I think at least right now, a lot of their success has to do with them being on the court, not necessarily carrying the offense or doing everything, uh, but just being on the court and making plays for other guys, like being the anchor on defense or being the primary point guard. And Anthony Davis and LeBron James, um, you know, skill set, whatever, whatever the lineups call for, having LeBron James and Anthony Davis is essential to their success right now. Um, when we get back from the break, we'll talk about probably, not probably, we will talk about, we'll talk about guys that can uh, help ease some of that tension for LeBron James and Anthony Davis, uh, and what positions they needed at most. It's 19, So LeBron James and Anthony Davis are each averaging about 34 minutes per game. Uh, which you mentioned is LeBron James' career low. Last year, 33 minutes was Anthony Davis, or actually, I'm sorry, his rookie year, 28.8 minutes per game, was Anthony Davis' career low. But since then, 
last season when he played like a little over half the season, played 33 minutes per game. This year he's averaging 34.9 minutes per game. Uh, and every other season before now, he's averaged uh, at least 35 minutes per game. Um, like we said, it's not 35 minutes of carrying the team, carrying the offense, carrying the defense. It's just them being out on the floor for 35 minutes. But I think even then, that contributes to the wear and tear of the 82 regular game season that adds up eventually. Um, but, I mean, unless... I'm undervaluing the talent on this roster and the depth the Lakers have. They kind of need to be on the floor, right? Um, I mean, certainly one of them needs to be on the floor at all times. Mm-hmm. And save for... I mean, I think Vogel's done a really good job with the rotations. And usually it's only a really brief stretch at the start of the fourth quarter. Um That both of them have been on the bench together at times. And it's really not even been all the time. Um, I would say, I don't know that, I mean, right now, yes, they both need to be on the court, mm-hmm. but I can see enough offensively that I think by season's end or as long as we go further in the year, I could see where, um, one of them could, we could afford to take some more time off, especially if Kuzma's playing as well as he was, um, before, whatever the injury that they're calling last night was, where he almost had his eye gouged out. Yeah, straight out of a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he's expected to play Friday. He tweeted the... I think he tweeted the goggle face emoji. Mm-hmm. We might be getting a, a James Worthy... Uh, James Worthy look there on, on Friday. But if he's playing as well as he was there for a while... Um, that really helps the Lakers afford to rest one of them. But, yeah, right now, um, they really need both those guys out there. And I would say right now it's worth keeping those guys out there um, because they're playing so well. And I know we've talked about this before, but, like, there's a lot of teams in the West that are that are kind of stumbling right now. So it's kind of one of those situations where if you're playing this well and other teams aren't, just I don't want to say go for the jugular, but build up that that lead in the standings as much as you can, um, and then later in the year you can afford to coast a little bit. But yeah, because because every game's not like do or die like it was last yeah. season. Like even that game, it's in nice Phoenix. to have some some wiggle room, right? Um, but I I think even that being said, and I agree with a, with a lot of what you said. Particularly when it comes to to Vogel's rotations, I think, and and health, really. Uh, Getting Kyle Kuzma back was huge for that scoring punch the Lakers were lacking off the bench. Having Rajon Rondo, even in spite of his faults, having somebody that can run the offense. um, I mean, I don't know if he needs to get 10 assists tonight. Um, I don't think anybody does, really. Um, As long as the ball's moving, it doesn't matter. The point is... That ball handler, that scorer, uh, a lot of the holes they've needed. The shooter, Alex Caruso, seems to be shot, finding his shooting stroke as of late, which is nice to see. Um, even with some of the pieces starting to fall into place, is there an area on the roster that you still look at and go, man, it would be really nice to have a player that can do X or X uh, on the team? I mean, I would... St- 
I think the area I would address most still would be the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, and not even... I mean, ideally, you'd want a wing defender. Um, those are hard to find. Right. I think what I'd also be focused on is a shooter that is a, more of a small forward, more of a 3 and D type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um Less of a Troy Daniels or Quinn Cook type and more of a, I mean, really, the Lakers, a bigger KCP. The Lakers really don't even have a wing like that. Right. Um, Because if you can get that guy, that type of player, a bigger wing, um, I think it would kind of help the guard rotation. Because, I mean, like last night, there were times at the end of the game where they were playing three guards. Yeah. and when your guards aren't playing well, like Quinn Cook hasn't played particularly well, it kind of makes the problems worse. So, I mean, like, if you can get a wing that's less minutes your guards have to play, so maybe that's less minutes Rondo's out there, less minutes Quinn Cook's out there, Troy Daniels, or KCP if he's struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think right now still I would just want wing players, small forwards, 3-4 types, just guys to put out there that uh, – that have some size because also, I mean, we've talked about it, but guys like Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam have just destroyed us this year. Yeah. Um, I, If you asked me that at the beginning of the season, I would have said a point guard and a small forward, and I think that's still true, but the gap between those positions has grown substantially. Like, I think their need for a big forward is still head and shoulders above their need for a point guard, and a lot of that to Avery Bradley's credit, oh yeah, has to do with the fact that he's a much better ball handler than I thought he was going to be, um, and and a defender. Obviously, he's he was solid to start the season. I think he is a starting caliber point guard on not just the Lakers, but I, I mean most rosters that have a six uh, nine uh, point forward on their roster that <laughs> that can afford. So I guess I. The Dallas Mavericks are the only team that comes to mind. Because Luca's is Philly, and that's about it. Yeah, Luca's a god. He is so he good. Is. He's S- incredible. Such a good basketball player. There was a, I remember a rumor, leading up to the draft, the Lakers were strongly considering trading up for him, and that would have been, um, that would have been insane. Yeah, he's been. I think Trey Young is a lot of fun. Yeah. and really, really good. I think Marvin Bagley will be a very good NBA player. I and the I don't think Aiton will be very good, but <laughs> all three of those teams passing on Luca nuts is more and more inexcusable that every <laughs> 30 point triple double Luca points puts up this season. Yeah, he's he's pro- he's definitely one of the most skilled 20 year olds this this league has ever seen like the most polished 20 year old one of the most polished 20 year olds the NBA has ever seen I mean if he keeps playing like this how many games do the Mavericks have to win for him to be like a serious MVP candidate yeah it's it's crazy the the West is really fun this season I didn't exp- I, I as soon as teams like the Pelicans Spurs and Trailblazers started to bottom out if for no other reason than injuries. Although San Antonio hasn't really had any big injuries. I think they're just playing like to what their roster is supposed to be for Turns the first out time. If you 
keep yeah. playing like it's 1999 when it's 2019. <laughs> Eventually, that'll catch up with you. Event, yeah, but I mean, even as soon as last season, they were still doing it. Uh, it's, it's remarkable. But I mean, a, a bunch of teams have have exceeded my expectations. Like, who would have thought Phoenix was in the playoff picture? I knew Dallas would be at least in the conversation. But Phoenix, I don't know if it's sustainable. Sacramento is looking like they're starting to figure it out a little bit, so I expect them to sneak back in. Uh, I didn't expect Minnesota to be where they are, uh, but Cat is another guy that's played out of his mind this season. So I, I've liked the West, and I think the reason I like the West so much, I was scared of it going into the season. Uh, it's easier to enjoy it uh, when you're at the top like the Lakers are. Oh, yeah. I would not be enjoying the West nearly as much if it was like last season <laughs> where we're like battling in that like six to eight range. Um, it's much more fun to look from afar when you're atop the standings and be like, oh, the, the Timberwolves are, are a fun team in the seven seed. And <laughs> Phoenix is a fun team in the eight seed where last year it's like, oh, these are the teams we're competing against. And now suddenly Phoenix has it all figured out, huh? It'd be far more <laughs> annoying in that scenario. Uh, I mean, OKC even, like, they're a scrappy team. Memphis has been much better than I thought they'd be. Yeah, um, Shea Gilgis Alexander looked bad against the Lakers, but I I'm telling on every on every other night that kid oh, has yeah. looked like a superstar. And I've been surprised at how well he's played with Chris Paul, because um, I didn't think that those two would necessarily coexist much together. And if they did, it'd be him on the ball more than yeah. Chris Paul. And it's been kind of the opposite. Um, he's Coming around, shooting the ball, uh, he's 38% this year, and that was kind of the big knock on him. So if he can start knocking down shots like that, then yeah. it'll be real interesting. Um, man, I didn't realize he was averaging almost 20 points a game. Yeah, he's he's really, really good, and the Clippers are still waiting on uh, Jerome Robinson to turn it around. <laughs> <laughs> um, back to but So back to the point about having a big forward. Assuming the Lakers do it via trade, I think there are two expendable players on the roster. Or I shouldn't say expendable. I should say if, if you're going to trade two players to get one good or better player back, you'd probably have to do Contavious Caldwell Pope and Quinn Cook. Boogie? Yeah, and Boogie. Uh, but, I mean, I'm talking about guys that have value. Boogie's just well, a contract. Yeah, but, I mean, he's still a decent-sized contract. Um, yeah, I would say the two would be Boogie and Quinn Cook. Yeah, I still don't see. I mean, I I just haven't considered KCP a trade asset because I still don't see him ever waiving his no trade clause. Um, I I mean, if you Boogie and Quinn Cook are, add up to six point five million, um, that gets you. A, a lot of kind of mid-tier wings. Um, a couple guys I wrote down you would be able to trade for. Um, one guy I wrote down, he's actually kind of played well this season, C.J. Miles mm -hmm. with Washington. Um, he's kind of the idea I had with a bigger wing that can knock down threes. He's been a three-point shooter his whole career. Um, I thought he was washed 
and he's <laughs> played well to start this year. Maybe it's a maybe it's a mirage, but I mean, he's a guy that you can um, you could package Boogie and Quinn Cook, and that would be enough um, to trade for his contract. He makes it's a surprising amount, eight point seven million. <laughs> um, yeah, that is surprising. I'd say. But yeah, if you if you deal those, if you package those two, you can do that trade after December fifteenth. Um, you'd probably have to add like a second, uh, or give the Wizards another one of our young players for them to turn into a much better prospect, like they're doing with Mo Wagner now. Yeah, uh, as for as much crap as Magic got for drafting him, he's looked good like yeah he had like a 30 and 15 game right and i think he has one of the highest true shooting percentages in the league right now absolutely nuts i mean i still think he was a reach at 25 like i'd still take landry shamit and mitchell robinson over mo but i wanted landy landry shamit bad and he's kind of proved me right a bit because he's been incredible as a shooter right Uh, um the other guy i had written down i think i mentioned him uh, one of the recent pods we did, but Etuan Moore with the Pelicans. Um, once or if the Pelicans ever get healthy again, uh, he was out of the rotation, um, which makes sense with all the wings and guards that they have. Uh, but when everybody got injured, he had to step into the starting lineup, and he played well. Um, and he's another kind of one of those wings that... Uh, that the Lakers need. I th- he's 6'6", six, six, I believe. He's shooting well from three. Um, that's about all I think that you would need to look for um, in some of these wings. I don't know what a trade with the Pelicans would look like. I don't know if they have any interest in Boogie and Quinn, Quinn Cook. Probably doesn't make much sense for them. Um, no guard really makes any sense for them. So I don't know what a trade would look like for the, for Etuan Moore, but... Um, I mean, if the Pelicans continue to really struggle, like maybe he just becomes a buyout guy. Yeah. Um. So those are the two, at least in trade, that I uh, would look at. Um, I wrote down a couple others for buyouts. We've talked about Michael Kidd, Gilchrist. Kent uh, Bazemore might be another one if Portland continues to bottom out. Yeah, that's which, a that's a good point. If, I didn't even think because I just assumed Portland was going to make the playoffs. I didn't even think of Kent Bazemore as a. As a buyout candidate. Which, signing and starting Melo <laughs> after he'd been out of the league for a year is an odd decision. And waving sounds like Kiss your yeah, playoff the, hopes goodbye. Yeah, the audacity. <laughs> um, so I, Portland might just be tanking. I don't... They, when they were like... When they announced they signed Melo, I was like, eh, I don't really think Melo is NBA level anymore. But I was like, eh, the Blazers are kind of in a desperate enough spot without any bigs. It makes sense. And then, it, like, throughout the day, it's like, oh, they're going to start him. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, Melo hasn't played in a year. Like, yeah. why would you do this? He wasn't even good when he last played. Like, and shockingly, it went exactly <laughs> like you would expect. Yeah, I'd, I'd give him a few more days until I until I just declared him super, super washed. Like, obviously, he's going to be a little washed. He's close to 35 if he's not 35 already but um i'll give him a few more games until i until i can firmly say he doesn't belong anywhere near an nba court 
Um, speaking of Knicks, uh, Marcus Morris is a guy I was looking at, and the Knicks aren't good. They're four and eleven right now, and Marcus Morris could very well be a buyout candidate because the Knicks, being as well managed as they are, signed Marcus Morris to a fifteen million dollar one year deal <laughs> with no option. Get that no, money. No partial guarantee, no non-guarantee, just no options. So uh, if you uh, – and I know I, – I read a few years ago that the Knicks had some level of interest in KCP. Uh, I don't know if that interest is still there with R.J. Barrett. Lord knows they still need a guard. Yeah. Because, like, I, watching that team starting – like, I think I like R.J. Barrett – I almost see him more as like a point forward. Right. They start. They start. Julius Randle, Marcus Morris, and Bob or Taj Gibson, maybe. Nuts. Either Taj Gibson or Bobby Portis. They start three forwards: R.J. Barrett and uh, Frank Natilakina. I believe the game I watched. That's four forwards and a guard. Yeah. So if you if you throw him KCP, uh, Quinn Cook, Demarcus Cousins. And a few second rounders. I think that'll probably get it done. Uh, if if nobody's going to do a three for one trade, which isn't an unrealistic expectation, because three for one trades are pretty hard. Uh, I'd look at Kyle Anderson. He doesn't Slow shoot up. particularly well from three, but I think he does all the little things that would stand out on a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, his contract's pretty team friendly, um, assuming he maximizes his. His abilities on the Lakers. Um, he only makes nine million a year, so you could throw KCP and somebody else at them. I don't know um, whether it's Troy Daniels, Jared Dudley. Um, I I just don't think as much as I think it's overrated how much KCP sucks. Uh, I I just don't think in, in the grand scheme of things his eight million dollar contract is more valuable as an asset in a trade than he is to a team with so many guards on the roster already, especially if Vogel's going to continue with this Rajon Rondo, Alex Caruso lineup. Um, at that point, your guard rotation's looking like Avery Bradley, Danny Green, Rajon Rondo, Alex Caruso, and Troy Daniel, which five guards is plenty, assuming Taylor Horton Tucker doesn't get called up. And he's looked pretty good in the G League, so I think that e- that makes KCP even more expendable. Um, don't know if that's the direction they'll go, uh, but I do think it is is something they should explore and, and likely will. I did not expect our contractually obligated mention of the Grizzlies <laughs> to, be to be Kyle, Kyle Anderson. Anderson this week. Because uh, Jay Crowder is another one. Yeah, I mean, I, he he will be in high demand. I think. Right. Um, I agree. Kyle Anderson would be. I mean, he's fine. He's like you said, he's not a great shooter. But, yeah, I mean, the point that you made about the guards is kind of the one I was trying to make earlier. But, yeah, there's just too many guards. We've said it a couple times this year. Um, either they need to trade one or you need to bring in wings to force them out of the, force them out of the rotation. Right. Yeah. At whatever means, um, once you get in the playoffs against even, like, a Denver or a Clippers, obviously – even the Jazz have a lot of size now. You're not going to be able to get away with playing KCP at the three as much. Um, 
so you need those bigger wings to uh, to come in. Even if, I mean, they don't have to be great defenders. Like, they just need to be taller than KCP. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, Kyle Anderson, I'd be fine with. I don't know what the Grizzlies are going to do with all the bodies that they have. Uh, Solomon Hill has been playing well, but there's no chance I want to anywhere near that. <laughs> and I think it might give Anthony Davis some PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there. it's just so hard to find wings that are going to be available either by trade or by buyout because everybody's going to want them too when they become available. Yeah, because again, you look at the makeup of the NBA and the teams at the tippy tippy top. Um, those are the those are the guys you want on the other side of the court to guard them. So it's that's kind of, kind of a, a a side side effect, not effect, but kind of an advantage of getting off to this hot start. Though is that come buyout season, we're going to be at the top. Yeah. Of the standings and also in search of some of these guys, so and with it makes the, us more attractive. Yeah, with the designated player exception too. Oh so yeah, I forgot about that. That is yeah. an excellent point. Um, let's hope they figure it out. Uh, but I mean, as is the roster looks just fine, uh, and I probably have more faith in the front office than I ever have. So not uh, a sentence I would have expected to say at the beginning of the summer, yeah. but I agree with you. <laughs> uh, we got four games coming up until we next speak to our listeners against the Thunder, Grizzlies, Hawks, and... Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. I'm clicking on the wrong part of my calendar. It's Thunders, Grizzlies, uh, Spurs, and then the Pelicans on Wednesday. Thunders, Ooh. Grizzlies, Spurs, Pelicans. What are the Lakers going during that stretch? Uh, I'll still be... Actually, I don't know. San Antonio's not good anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say 4-0. Like, honestly, I think OKC might be the toughest game right. in the stretch. So, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm probably going to go 3-1 and one with them losing in OKC on, uh, what is it, Thursday or Friday? Friday. Friday. If they uh, play like they did on Tuesday against the Thunder in OKC, they'll lose that game, I think. Yeah, yeah. Then, it, again, it's... As much as the Lakers have enjoyed success on the road, just success in general, these lo- these losses are going to come, uh, and mm-hmm. Thunder on the road seems like one of those losses. Grizzlies, Spurs, and Pelicans bearing a Zion comeback, are, I think, are going to be pretty easy wins. So yeah, Zion ain't going to be there, but that'll be <laughs> that'll be interesting. Anthony Davis is going to be booed like he's never been booed before, so it'll be interesting to see how he responds to that. Oh, no. His poor man is at the top of the Western Conference for the first time. and As long as he shows up in the arena with the... What was the shirt That's he wore? That's all folks. That's all folks. As long as he shows up in that shirt for the game, everything will be fine. That would be an incredible troll move <laughs> for him to show up back in that shirt. Well, that's all for us, folks. Um, so I will see you all next week. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure to leave us a nice little review on iTunes uh, so we can keep doing the show. And if you don't like this show, just keep your thoughts to our, yourselves because <laughs> this uh, this little podcast money pays for lunch, some gas every month. Um, so, yeah, just, just keep it to yourself. Um, Jacob, thanks 
for joining me as always, and we'll see you all next week.